This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Resurgence from Manchester United and Mr. Champions League, Cristiano Ronaldo. Barcelona get a very important victory. Chelsea win, but not at the cost of some key injuries. we got some Americans doing some good things in the Champions League on Wednesday. This and much more Champions League Wednesday recap. Jimmy Conrad in the house. We welcome you on YouTube, on podcast, wherever you're listening to or watching. Que golazo. Wednesday recap. Champions League begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Champions League Wednesday recap match day three. The halfway stage of the group stages in the Champions League is officially passed. Jimmy Conrad, what's up, man? I am thrilled to be here as always with you, LME, and for everybody listening and watching. I appreciate you. I just want to state for the record that the most goals ever scored in a single match day in the Champions League was in 2000 2001, 63 goals. Ooh. This, these, this match day three. 62 goals. They were oh, so close. To I blame the you, Erling Haaland. <laughs> I, I know, I do. I blame Erling Haaland as well. There are 35 goals yesterday, and none of them were scored by him. But, uh, yeah, that's tremendous. We're seeing the goals on goals on goals, and uh, we're seeing some unlikely goal scores to go along with some of the familiar names. So it's been pretty cool to see. It's been really, really cool to see. And, hey, the gruesome twosomes here, Jimmy Conrad. You, uh, me and yours truly, we haven't done this in a while. I'm I know, excited. it's been a while. I know, I love it. Hey, and we're excited, everybody, that you're joining us. If you're watching live on YouTube, we want your comments. Ask Jimmy Conrad anything. Well, I'll, I'll say that with an asterisk. You can ask us as well anything that you want. Champions League, make your comments. Tweet as well, Kegolasso Pod. But live on YouTube, we are right now. And if you're listening later on podcast, please make sure that you leave a five-star rating and review. But throughout this whole show, we're going to keep on doing those call to actions. I want your opinion, all right, on everything. Where are you watching from? by the way what game did you watch who do you support are you a manchester united ogs true follower or do you want him out why do you want talk to us but jimmy conrad good to have you let's begin with the team i was just talking about manchester united they were two nothing down the first half was pretty abysmal uh it's Basically what we've been talking about for a long time. James Bench calls them vibes Manchester United. That's exactly what they were. Atalanta were taking care of business. Although Manchester United were getting the chances. It's just the moment they lose the ball, it was horrible. But guess what? 3-2, they come back. Mr. Champions League, 137 goals now in the Champions League. Ronaldo with a great header. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer went from... Uh, that sad old man emoji in Squid Game to the happy one uh, by the end of it, and uh, <laughs> there you go. That's a courtesy of our. Uh, that's courtesy of our social team right there. You know what? I wasn't even thinking that, and they did it. Amazing. But Jimmy, talk to me about this game. Three two, a massive victory, a really important one for United against Atalanta. I think what's funny about this game in particular is that everybody was ready. We've gone. We've been in this dance before, right? We we like Ole's out. It doesn't look good. Gave up four goals on the weekend against Leicester. He's got to the ceiling. There's no, they're not going to get any better under Ole Gunnar. This is it. And then we always kind of laugh. We, 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 we've done this before. It's a rinse and repeat. 
they're going to have a response. They're going to show up. Something's going to happen. They go down two goals. It's, they're down 2-0 at half. And I'm thinking, that could be it. And, and maybe not this game, but if they lose to Liverpool on the weekend at Old Trafford as well, I just don't think that's acceptable. They're going to have to bring in somebody else at this point. And somehow, someway, the guy pulls it out. It's like, it's like the treble winning him scoring the toe poke to win the treble back in 99. <laughs> There's always something with Ole Gunnar. Just that little yeah. something to make the difference. And, and what's interesting is I thought Marcus Rashford, I saw Cavani getting warmed up, and I thought he's going to take off Rashford. Rashford hasn't looked very sharp, even though he scored a good goal against Leicester. Maybe he's not there yet to play a full 90. He's going to be the guy. And then he scores a very good goal, an unbelievable pass by Bruno Fernandes. And it gets so back good. to what you say, Elamy, that this isn't a team that is built on good tactical acumen. I mean, they all know how to play, of course, but it still seems to rely heavily on individual brilliance. And that pass by Bruno Fernandes was sick. Good quality, calm, composed, composed composure, composed composure, composed finish by like Marcus it. Rashford. And that changes everything. You can see at that moment, that's the belief, that spark that they needed. And it all came from a Bruno Fernandez pass that unlocked everything. Harry Maguire scored an absolutely fantastic goal at the back post first time. And then Mr. Clutch shows up. The guy just does it. And, and he shows up when it matters. And I honestly feel like anytime Messi has a good game, even Barcelona with his country, PSG, whatever, Ronaldo's like, I can't let this guy run the headlines for too long. You know, if he's going to transfer to PSG, I'm going to transfer somewhere else. You know, it's like this. It's crazy. And he goes up and he shows and he and he and he makes a difference. You know, and there's moments where I'm sure people are calling like Ronaldo's not doing enough today. Take him off. Bring on somebody else. But you leave him on. You left Rashford on. And I can't except there's something magical going on around Ole, which is just enough for him to like all the supporters like we can't fire him. He's on top of the table now. They're doing enough. And I bet you they're going to scrape out some BS result against Liverpool. That's just going to it's not going to look great, but they're going to do it. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. Gary Lineker had a tweet and he was like, you know, just uh, when you think like he's uh, you know, down and dusted, he pulls another win out of the bag. It's like that Al Pacino thing. You know, everybody thinks I'm out and they pull me back in like that's Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. It's so weird to me. It's happened ever since that win against PSG and they give him the full time contract. You think he's going down the route and then suddenly they pull him back out. And now look at that. Manchester United, top of group Villarreal get that big win against young boys as well and now it's looking a little bit better i'm to your point man like they're gonna play liverpool and they're gonna win i'm telling you that yeah, right it's, now it's something crazy and liverpool is like the hottest team in europe right now and that's crazy i will say there was a turning point in this game at 2-1 duvon sapata comes on as a sub for luis muriel he absolutely rolls victor lindelof i think lindelof is still in his back pocket he's got both <laughs> corners sapata and he hits it right at De Gea. He hits it hard. De Gea makes a good save standing his ground. Doesn't leave too early. Doesn't lean one way or the other. But if Zapata just picks a corner there, he was a super sub this past weekend against Empoli and scored his 100th goal in Serie A. I mean, he, he, that was it. That was the moment. And once he didn't score that, Adelante, I think, followed it up with a good shot that De Gea made a save as well. That was it. That was like their last gasp to like kind of take it and run away with this game. That said, though, they make it 3-1. I can see this United team scoring two to make it 3-3. So, Let's get this one from James Short. James, th thanks so much for watching and tuning in. Keep those questions coming. Uh, here's one for you, uh, Jimmy. Is the comeback from Manchester United more, is this one, the one against Atalanta, more impactful than the one uh, from PSG? That's a, that's a good question. I would say, I feel, I feel like I've got recency bias. It just feels more impactful now because of what's at stake, especially for Ole Gunnar and his job and this team in particular. Because if we really look back, and pull back at what happens. 
things didn't really start to change for United in terms of being fluid and moving forward until they made some changes to the team. So you brought in uh, Pogba, took off McTominay. He started Fred McTominay again. It didn't look good in the first half. Then Cavani comes on for Rashford eventually, which, he, which I thought was going to happen a lot earlier, but then Rashford scored. So I think it bought him an extra 10 to 15 minutes. And all of a sudden they started to play. Jaden Sancho came on for Greenwood. After Sancho comes on, two minutes later they score. And then, you know, six minutes after that they score again. That's nice. They didn't have that last season. They didn't have that type of depth that could turn a game like that. And I think that speaks to the depth that they have. But you just kind of get frustrated for, God, McTominay and Fred again? Like, Are we, are we serious? Like, we haven't graduated from, from that? So I can understand where a lot of the frustration comes for fans for Manchester United, that you could have that luxury to leave a Pogba and a Sancho on the bench. But when it mattered, they, they changed the game when they came on. And that's, that's why you have that type of depth. Yeah, one thing to really note, though, by the way, everybody, is especially if you're United fans, zero clean sheets in the last 12 for United. That's their <laughs> longest run uh, since uh, February 1964. That was 13 back then. Only one clean sheet this whole season, the win against Wolves in all competitions. That's something to really watch out for. Miguel Velasquez, thanks so much, Miguel, for joining in. Ronaldo is the Kobe Bryant forward slash Michael Jordan of soccer, uh, most clutch player in history, I think in this tournament, uh, Miguel, Jimmy's not going to disagree with you. He is definitely uh, the king of this uh, Champions League, Jimmy. Yeah, there's no question. If everybody wants to vote in the chat, hit us up in the comments. Yes or no, is Ronaldo the most clutch player in history? History you sounds... You just do Y or N, all right? You don't yeah, need yeah. To <laughs> history seems pretty, pretty big, right? That's a big swath of players. There's a lot to choose from in this particular category. In the Champions League, I would say unequivocally, yes, that Cristiano Ronaldo is the most clutch and probably the best player in Champions League history. Since it switched from European Cup to Champions League, there's no doubt. He's got the numbers to back it up. He's got the titles to back it up. And he continues to prove it. And he doesn't age that guy. And I think he probably takes Botox. That probably helps a little bit. But but <laughs> fair play to the guy, right? I mean, he's, he's doing the work. And, and that's the thing about Ronaldo is that you know that he puts the work in that you know that he's not taking any shortcuts, that he's trying to maintain his status on top of the mountain for as long as possible. And I can't name too many players that have done it for, for as long as he has at the high, highest of levels. So, you know, we talk about Ronaldinho. Love Ronaldinho, right? But he was at the peak for maybe two or three years. We're, now we're talking about Ronaldo being there for like 15 years. You know, him yeah, and Messi and, are going, it's crazy to think yeah. about that. It's crazy. I and just your point about Ronaldinho, Ronaldinho to me, I mean, growing up watching him, he, I mean, just an absolute magician, but clutch wasn't what I described him as. I described him as a magician, as somebody that just created things, even when they weren't goals, he created things out of nowhere. I would, you know, Ronaldo, even if the goals are not pretty, it just makes it happen. It's it's a clutchness. Clutchness is not defined by beauty is my point. It's like, you need a goal, Ronaldo does it. Ronaldinho, to me, was like an artist. Like, some of the things that he did was just absolutely beautiful. So, is Ronaldo the most clutch player in history? Vote yes or no in the comments section. By the way, Jimmy, we, me and you have been talking about this for a long time, right? About the fact that, you know, United and their Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Jacqueline Hyde, you know, oh, my God, they're doing amazing. And suddenly, like, they're ruined. Is this a massive turning point for them? Because they got Liverpool at home on Sunday. What a game. Then Tottenham away, you know, the Tottenham are feeling it right now. They're, they're getting a little better. Then they have to travel to Atalanta. It's going to be a pretty hostile environment. Then the Manchester Derby, you know, you got some big games coming up. Uh, that's pretty important for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer specifically to make something happen right now. Do you think the momentum has changed? 
I think that this result helps. I think that the energy and enthusiasm in the locker room will be fantastic heading into that Liverpool game in particular. Yeah. But then you have to show up and perform in that one because this can, as you know, it's very uh, fleeting, the feeling of either losing or winning, right? They're probably down and out after Leicester. Now they're feeling the top of the world. And now can they parlay that into momentum and, and actually some consistency? My biggest concern is the same as yours. What are they doing on the other side of the ball? No clean sheets in the last 12 games is really unacceptable for a club of that stature. Like you have to get it right on both sides. You can't just continue to win games 3-2-4-3-2-1 all the time. Yeah. And that's what we're that's what we're seeing. And I don't think that's a recipe for success, in my humble opinion. But if we extrapolate that schedule out, after the Manchester Derby, they play away to Watford, which is not easy, right? It's going to be a fight. Away to Villarreal, away to Chelsea, home to Arsenal, home to Crystal Palace. Yeah, it's not easy. It's going to be tough. That's like those next eight, nine to ten games are insane. Those are insane, insane fixtures. And especially because they're piling up, right? Every three or four days, you got another fight on your hands. But like I said before, they got that little bit of depth. And I think that's going to help them, you know, weather the storm. In, in some capacity. Now it's just a matter of whether they can go out and get results, especially they got to, they got to tighten it up on the other side. My fear is that's what if I was you tighten it up yeah, on the other side, yeah. then you have to, what you handcuff some of your other players from going forward. And that's not necessarily what you want either. So this is going to be where Ole Gunnar kind of makes or breaks. What kind of manager are you? Do you have this in your bag to solve these problems? And if you don't, then you might have to go find somebody else. Well, let's talk Harry Maguire for a second. You know, uh, expensive uh, defender from Manchester United. Is he feeling the pressure of his uh, price tag lately? Everybody, if you're a United fan, what do you think about Harry Maguire right now? It, woeful on the weekend, at fault for the second goal today. He did score. That's big. But uh, w what do you make of him? <laughs> well, he did look sharp against Leicester. That was his former club. He got booed every time he touched the ball. Yeah, the pressure was on there. Yeah. I th he rushed back from his injury, right? They were a little... I think excited that he was sharp or somewhat sharp and ready to go, but maybe he was still maybe a week away. Sometimes you need that, that, like that quickness in a, in a, He's maybe been a week. playing a lot too. I mean, England, yeah. uh, Euro 2020. Yeah, there, you're right. There's a lot to unpack there with him today. When I actually watched the goal again, the second goal that they scored Dimarov off the set piece, he's actually zonal marking and Luke Shaw is man marking Dimarov and gets lost and gets kind of knocked into McTominay. Right. That said, so it's not like his direct mark, Maguire. But when you're in zonal marking, you have to attack the ball. And he just kind of stands there and watches Demerol do his thing. So, yeah, I'd expect more, especially from somebody wearing the captain's armband. Like, you got to go out there and make plays. That's, that's why you're one of the leaders on the team. And so, yeah, he could have done a little bit better there. He's only going to get sharper, I think, as this goes along. But it's something to keep an eye on. Is he where United need him to be so they can get a clean sheet at some point? Yeah. Lindelof, I think, is off the pace a little bit. He hasn't been that sharp. They miss Varane today. I'll be honest. When Veron can get back into the team, they're going to be a little bit better for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But listen, we've got a great weekend preview coming later as well. Uh, and that Sunday with Manchester United, so Liverpool. So many big games. It's yeah. going to be big. So if you're a United fan or a Liverpool fan, drop us a comment. Tell us what you think that game's going to be. But we've got a great weekend preview coming up for you. All right. Keep those comments coming now. And if you're a Barcelona viewer or listener, we want your comments now because we're going to talk about your team. Ansu Fati, by the way, late news. Obviously, uh, Got that new contract, another billion euro uh, release clause, basically saying, hands off, everybody. That's what Barcelona is saying with Ansu Fati. But let's talk about the game. Barcelona fans, we want your comments and questions. One nothing against Dinamo Kiev. Listen, a win's a win, Jimmy Conrad. I mean, it, it was, it was, it's never going to be easy against uh, Dinamo. They, they're they're kind of sticky. They're annoying to play against. But a win's a win, right? A win is a win is a win. So is three points. Really quick on Ansu Fati, the billion-dollar price tag. They did the same thing for Pedri. It's almost like if you want to buy either Pedri or Ansu Fati, 
then you can solve all of our financial problems. Come in and buy them for a billion dollars. I mean, honestly, I feel like that's one. And the yeah. second one is, I feel like with a billion dollars, it reminds me of Dr. Evil from Austin Powers. You know, one billion dollars, you know? So it's kind of funny when I think about that. That's crazy. That's crazy to even have that kind of release clause in their contracts. But here we are. But it's huge regard, for them, huge it, for them in Barcelona to to just, you know, announce this. You know, it's also vibes, right? It's making the, the fan base feel happy, one of their own, et cetera. Yeah, and I think they're going to do the same thing where Gavi, you know, Gavi's another youngster that's coming in, playing a lot of He's minutes and doing good. well. I think they're going to put a billion dollar price tag on him, not only just to put that there, but also to let their fan base know, hey, we have some players. They're a little bit younger, but they're going to be the core of us moving forward. So Jimmy, Gavi was born in 2004, Jimmy. I don't even want to know how when he was born. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for telling me that. That is that is wild. It's horrible. But let's get back to this game, by yes. the way. PK breaks Barca's uh, Champions League. Doug, first goal since last December, becomes the highest scoring defender in Champions League history. 16 goals. Sergio Aguero, Ansu Coutinho, Anum Titi on the bench. Uh, and obviously, we just talked about Ansu Fati. But Barcelona get that one nothing win. Big one for them. They needed this. Otherwise, bye-bye Champions League uh, pretty much, right? Yeah, it was a must win for them. As you mentioned, zero points in their first two games. They needed to make it happen. I think fortuitously, the schedule sets up nicely for them because they have to play Dinamo Kiev twice. So they can get a little bit of momentum, get that if they can go to in uh, and get that one away from home and match day four against Dinamo Kiev. Won't be easy because they're pretty good at home. But if they can go scrape it, that would be really nice for them to set up for six points. Off, off, obviously coming off of, of a win against Valencia on the weekend too, I think it was important for them to kind of build something. They got Serginho Dest playing one of the winger spots in the Messi spot, which is wild. He, I thought he was very good today and actually so good in that spot that it gives me some pause as to, okay, maybe we've been playing him in the wrong spot the whole time for the U.S. men's national team. So that's going to be fun for me to unpack with Heath when we start doing our, our preview for the U.S. Yeah, uh, Mexico game about. here. Yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy. Like, do you put him up there now? If that's his best spot and who plays right back? We got a lot of questions, need some answers. But I thought he was very good. And and I love the goal, frankly. You had Jordi Alba on the ball playing to his longtime friend and teammate, Gerard Piquet. There's a, clearly an understanding in, between those two players that in certain situations, they know where each other's going to be. They know where each other's going to pass. And it was a nice quality world-class finish from Gerard Piquet. No big surprise there that uh, he finished off with, with, uh, with real style. So big, big results. Ronald Koeman kind of got Ole Gunner vibes. You know, everybody just expects more than maybe what they're capable of, but... You know, they're doing just enough to kind of warrant them continuing to stick around and to stick around. But they got a big game against Real Madrid this weekend. And that might really determine the fate of, of Ronald Koeman moving forward. Even yeah. though, even if Ole Gunnar went out or Koeman goes out, who still comes in? There's no real definitive answer, I think, for either job. And, and there are some parallels between those two managers for sure. But yeah, big win for Barcelona. And Dinamo Kiev has some work to do. If they really want to scrape and try to get into the Europa League, they're going to have to win that game against Barcelona on match day four. Yeah, and Group B, by the way, uh, we'll talk about it uh, briefly later in a little bit. But they, you know, Bayern topped the group after the massive win over Benfica, who were pretty good, by the way. It's just Bayern Munich, just Bayern Munich. Barcelona <laughs> stay third, but to your point, they played Dinamo Kiev one more time, so some momentum will happen there as Bayern and Benfica try to take points off each other. And as you mentioned, and as I remind everybody, the preview weekend preview once again, we got El Clasico as well. Listen, what was more important today? Let's ask everybody this, and I'll ask you, Jim. Me, but what was more important today, Barcelona winning or Ansu Fati securing his future? Oh, no, Ansu Fati, I think, is the, the easy answer there because he has so much talent. He scored a great goal on the weekend. He came on at halftime today, but he scored a great goal on the weekend 
against Valencia, a very Messi-esque goal. And when you see that he's got that type of quality, makes it look so easy, getting him to put his name on a contract until 2027 is a big, big deal. Yeah. And so you're starting to say, hey, we're building around you. You're already wearing the number 10 shirt. Look, at we got Pedri. We got Gabi. He's, he knows who's coming up through the ranks, right? And they're signing some players that are going to always make them relatively competitive. I still feel like they've got some questions to get answered in the back line. Jordi Alba and PK aren't getting any younger. Eric Garcia, for me, hasn't really been... I think they need a, a Puyol type in the back, right? Just like an absolute animal back there that's a leader. Somebody fierce like that who's very vocal. And, and until they get a piece or two like that, I think we're going to start to see Barcelona not see them really start to take those big steps that I know that they're capable of, especially as these younger players get get a little bit older and get more experience. Yeah. All right. Well, we got one from James Short here. Um, exactly on that second straight match playing as winger for Barcelona. Looks so comfortable. Um, love the line-to-line -line runs from him and Robinson. So probably still like him as a back line. Well, you know, there will we'll be we'll plenty, see. Of, yeah, plenty of conversation. We have a lot. <laughs> We have a lot, a lot of good USMNT content from Jimmy and Heath. So watch out for that one. Uh, let's uh, just very briefly, Bayern Munich, uh, Jimmy Conrad, how high are they in your power rankings these days? Four nothing against Benfica. Um, our friend Chris Nyeri uh, tweeted something interesting. Lewandowski getting close enough to 20 goals this season. It's only October. I mean, it's just, but it's not just him and Leroy Sané. How good are Bayern Munich these days? I mean, amazing. Yeah, they have to be in the top two or three, and they might not be second or third. I really think they're on fire, especially coming out of the international break, beating Bayer Leverkusen in a top-of-the-table clash, scored five goals by halftime. What was interesting about this game is, though, even though they were poking around, Emmanuel Neuer still had to make a couple of good saves. It was 0-0 until the 70th minute, and I then they unlocked. They were good. They were solid for a they while. They were solid. I was actually, I had both teams to score, and, and Bayern to win, and Lewandowski to score. I was so close. I thought Benfica would do enough. They had a couple of chances, like I mentioned, which could have turn the tide a little bit. But once they got that first one, Byron, they scored They scored in the 70th minute off a great free kick from Leroy Sané. And then it was just wide open at that point. Benfica didn't necessarily lay down. It's just you can't slow Byron down once they get going. And they did it without Goretzka. He didn't start. He was out. Alfonso Davies didn't play in this one either due to injury. So imagine you need to leave those two guys at home and you're still swooping on teams, you know? So it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Yeah, I think you know Bayern Munich. They, they are, they are Nagelsmann on his uh, scooter photo. <laughs> they're just cruising. Trevor uh, says Bayern has to be the most ruthless team right now. Maybe not the best, but the most ruthless. Once they smell blood, they go in like a shark. I like that. They go in like Great a shark. Great way to describe them, especially Lewandowski, who is always looking for goals and, and he got one today. So fair play to him. I thought Leroy Sané, if we're going to talk about Byron just a little bit longer, he's really starting to round into some yeah. form where the consistency is starting to get there. Like you, you get to see this flash of world-class ability and now you're starting to see three or four flashes in a game. And now you're starting to see it three or four times and a half, you know, and that's what he needs to build to. And if he gets to that, and can do it consistently. Yeah. You got Navri on the other side and Miller underneath. They're just, they're unstoppable. They're, they're so well-balanced. The only areas that I think you can get at them is is defensively. But even that, they're trying to figure out with Upa Meccano and, and some of the other players, uh, Stanisic, that they're bringing in. So, yeah, Bayern's, Bayern's really good. Emmanuel Neuer's making saves. I just don't know how you beat him. Shout out to Leroy Sonny's agent, by the way, because, like, you know, Man City, he obviously injured, not getting looks, and then suddenly, oh, come to Bayern Munich and, uh, you know, completely rediscover your career. Pretty amazing. And he's still very young, so, you know. Yes. Get those comments in. Uh, we love them already. Keep them rolling in. We want to hear from you uh, in the comments section. Uh, it's a blank canvas. We want you to paint it with all your great, great comments 
and questions. And while you're at it, make sure that you click on that subscribe button. All right. If you're uh, listening on podcast, we're taking a break. If you're watching live, we just keep on rolling. But for the sake of, uh, you know, rhythm and fluency, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Kego Lasso Wednesday Champions League recap with Jimmy Conrad. We'll be right back. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, we're back. I told you, if you're watching live, we're here. We're not going anywhere. Uh, but if you're listening on pod, thank you so much. Please leave a five-star rating and review. Spotify, Stitcher, et cetera, et cetera. Please do it, please. And we're on Twitter as well. Jimmy Conrad's on Twitter. He's on Instagram, myself as well. <laughs> Uh, and also okay, Golasso Pot. All right, let's talk about the Americans. The Americans, America. Let's talk about the Americans in action. Let's talk about Group G here. Uh, Brandon Aronson, a friend of the show. We are fans. He was great today. As Salzburg beat Wolfsburg 3 1. Uh, that was Aronson against uh, Jonathan Brooks, of course. Uh, we talked about Serginio Dest as well. But interesting uh, matchup there. But how'd you like Brandon Aronson today, Jimmy? Yeah, I thought he was good. He's playing in the 10th spot underneath uh, Adeyemi, who might be one of the top young strikers in the world. I don't know how much longer he's going to be at RB Salzburg. I assume that somebody's going to take him and, and snatch him up. He was with Bayern Munich's Academy, so maybe he goes back to Bayern at some point, even though he's mm. in the RB system, so maybe he goes to RB Leipzig. He got Okafor, who's 21. He scored two goals today, hit one off the crossbar or hit off the post, and he could have had a hat trick, and, and it's... They are very good. RB Salzburg have not lost a game all season in all competitions. And that really speaks to the type of quality that they have in their team. And Aronson, right to the point, pulling strings, looking very comfortable out there. I thought he was excellent again today. It doesn't look out of place, right? And I think that's the most important thing is us as Americans, when we see our players playing in big competitions over in Europe, do they look out of place? Yeah. And every time I watch Aronson play, he never looks out of place. He looks like he belongs there. And he's driving the game. It's not like he's a passenger, right? He's actually out there pulling the strings, trying to make stuff happen. So really impressed with him. He really is. He really is. And and before you could see that fear at, at, you know, when he first got started, like anybody would have, especially as a teenager, you're coming over, leaving home for the first time. Thankfully, he had Jesse Marsh there to, I think, ease him into that from from an RB Salzburg standpoint. But then Jesse Marsh is gone and doing his thing at Leipzig. But he was already comfortable at that point. So I'm really loving and I especially appreciate that the manager is the new manager is giving him 
the opportunity to, to trust them as well, even though, because I feel like there's still American bias at times. Now, yeah. with regard to John Anthony Brooks and Wolfsburg, I think they really missed out on not having Vout Veghorst. Uh, their top striker had COVID, so he's out now, which is a little bit unfortunate because I feel like they would have given a better account for themselves. John Anthony Brooks didn't look great. Not the, not my highest rated player during that game. And and I wonder if he can start to, to figure out, you know, he missed the last international break due to back spasms, whatever the hell that means, you know? So I, 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 I hope he's getting back to, to top health because we need as much depth as possible for our national team. He didn't look great today, but hopefully he just needs a couple run of games to get back to his sharpness. Yeah. Well, here you go, Brian. Thank you so much. Uh, well, we did ask, we had a poll, right? Saying uh, who, what American has impressed you the most so far? Uh, Brendan Aronson clearly in the lead. And Brian says, McKenney had some great runs into the final third today. He just couldn't finish. Uh, the goals will come. Well, I think, Brian, that game... Uh, uh, that game uh, in the in, in the USMNT qualifiers, that final one, I thought McKenney was great, and I think that gave him a little confidence as well. But what do you think, Jimmy, about McKenney? You know, hopefully, kind of learning from his mistakes and and sort of getting better as uh, as we close up the year. Yeah, for me, with regard to McKinney, and, and I think that's a great comment. He did make some good runs. I do think that he's getting smarter at picking his spots as to when to when to go and when to stay. I think that's really important. I think it'll actually start to play a lot into his decisions for the U S because we have capable players. He doesn't have to be the hero. Every time he goes forward, he doesn't have to be uh, Mr. Clutch, even though I'll take it when we need it. Yeah. And I thought today he, he joined the attack in really meaningful ways. I thought he was busy. Right. And, and I love that he played all 90 minutes that there's mm. that trust from Maxi Allegri in a, in a must win game, all, all things considered for Juventus who have been on a fine, fine run, six straight wins, four consecutive clean sheets and uh, Chesney starting to come into form. So Juve's looking pretty good. Did did enough scoring in the 85th minute by Kulisevsky. Yeah, it wasn't a pretty goal, game, but they got nah, the job. Yeah. But that's the Maxi Allegri special. Let's <laughs> yeah, be honest. He, you know. he likes it ugly. Yeah, he yeah, does. Exactly. He really does. And so I was impressed with, with Weston McKinney, but just Juve overall. They seem to have, have attached themselves to some tactics that are working. And I think they needed to shed Cristiano Ronaldo for them to find that under Maxi Allegri. And I think they're only going to get bigger and stronger from here. And better, so so it'll be pretty interesting to see how how competitive they can be for the Scudetto this season. Yeah, uh, good question here from Ilias. Uh, obviously, we know Brendan Aronson and Salzburg uh, a good relationship, an early one. But you know, maybe you see him in a with all due respect to Salzburg, a bigger club. What do you think Aronson will go next, and what club suits him the best, in your opinion, Jimmy? <laughs> That's a loaded question, Ilias. I appreciate it. I mean, RB RB Leipzig feels like the nice stepping stone, right? We saw Dominic Zabaslai do the same. Uh, he went and, and did an excellent job of kind of taking that step. And unfortunately, he had some of that uh, growing issues and in, in sports hernia, which I had. So I, I, I guess good place for him. Yeah, I think so. It's a nice stepping stone. I mean, we saw Pat Daka leave RB Salzburg to go to Leicester, and he's had trouble getting into the lineup. Though I do have to say, Pat Daka scored four goals today. Killed it today. <laughs> against Spartak Moscow. The yeah. guy's feeling it, and I, I, I hope he gets more minutes. Though Ian Nacho's been excellent. J Jamie Vardy's been excellent, too. So I don't know where those minutes are going to come from, but it's nice for, for them to have that, a quick pivot into Pats and Daka. But with regard to Brendan Aronson, there has to be a space or a team that allows him to fail, right? If you have someone that's creative, you got to give him a run out. When I look at Jaden Sancho in particular, I don't feel like he's had that run of games where he could fail – but he hasn't really been trying things. I feel like he's still playing kind of safe because he doesn't want to lose his spot as a no, like, hey, I got the coach's back or the back. Well, he doesn't have his club right now, right? He he's doesn't. He doesn't. Didn't yeah. start today. But 
But when you go at Borussia Dortmund, for instance, he could he could not have a good game and it wouldn't cost him his starting position the next game. Like mm. he knows that he'd have the confidence to kind of continue to be run out. And when I look at Brendan Aronson, I feel like that would be his next spot before he goes into makes a big jump to the Premier League. And it's so cutthroat that he has to be good every single week or he's out. You know, yeah. and I feel like I still want him to to grow into that as opposed to just being thrown into that. So so we'll see. I think Bundesliga, to your point, Luis, is probably a good spot for him to go. Yeah, so honorable mentions as we wrap up the Americans. Uh, by the way, honorable mentions to Tim Weah. He came on in the last 10 in a stalemate against Sevilla uh, for Lille. Uh, Jordan uh, Pifok as well. Not so great uh, versus Villarreal, but Villarreal came for blood. They knew they needed something. Uh, but that's the USMNT chat rounding off. By the way, keep those comments going because we're just going to wrap up here. We talked a little bit about Juventus uh, beating Senna. Not the best game, but they got the win. Allegri feeling good now. Obviously, a, a win this past weekend, a win in the Champions League. So Juventus is feeling a little bit better. Let's talk Chelsea for a second here, sure. Jimmy. Uh, a routine victory against Malmo. Shout out to my Peruvian, Sergio Peña, who uh, he did struggle a little bit, but it was Chelsea. So I'll give him that. It's his first start in the Champions League. But Chelsea, they got a nice win in the rain. Um, but Lukaku came off injured. So did Werner. This is a problem, obviously, for Thomas Tuchel as well. Pulisic is obviously coming back a little bit. But Lukaku, you obviously... His kind of uh, presence, productivity cannot be replaced. Talk to me about that because now Chelsea will be without, we don't know how long for, but, you know, two big players being out. Yeah, it's a tough one. I think they took a risk by starting Romelu Lukaku, of course. I would have done it because he hadn't scored in six straight games for Chelsea. Yeah, And Malmo would have been a great, great opportunity for him to hit the back of the net and get his confidence going again. Same with Timo Werner. Lukaku ends up drawing the penalty, which ultimately made it 2-0 that Jorginho slotted home. But he got scissored from behind. A really, really dangerous tackle. I like that at least he had the power to walk off on his own. You know, that he wasn't like limping off or needed help to be assisted off. He could walk off on his own. So I feel like that limits maybe the severity of it. So maybe we miss out on a couple weeks. I think they have Norwich on the weekend and maybe Southampton in the League Cup after that. So those are games that he could potentially miss. Timo Werner, though, obviously coming off as well. Doesn't help the cause. I thought Kai Havertz came on and was excellent. Got a goal. A very, very well-taken goal. It was busy, right? And sometimes when you're a player and you know that the coach has no other options on the bench, you kind of just relax because who else is he going to go with at this point? So I really like Kai Havertz's performance. I think he's going to get a lot of minutes here in the near future based on the health of these particular two. My big question now, though, is whether they regret, and I'm talking about Thomas Tuchel and his staff and even Chelsea's front office and makes all the transfers, letting Giroud and Tammy Abraham go because you knew at some point Lukaku was probably not going to score, was going to struggle. Every striker goes through that. And that Timo Werner, you know, doesn't really score that often or that consistently anyway. He's become a bit of a meme in that in that department. But now that you don't have Tammy Abraham and you don't have Giroud, you're really thin at this point. And now I feel like we're going to see some version of Chelsea that maybe we didn't anticipate. And that's Kai Havertz leading the lines. And, and now you need a Christian Pulisic out there. You need a Ziyech to come in and also start to, to show up and, and maybe demand a little bit more out of Mason Mount to get forward. You know, I think Hudson Adoy maybe get some more runouts. You could see uh, Loftus Cheek maybe push a little bit higher. I mean, they've got some options, but they're not as good as Lukaku. And, and Timo Werner does a good job of getting into some spots, whether you like him or not. Yeah, before I uh, get into James, uh, James's question, by the way, I uh, would love Chelsea fans to tell us right now in the comment section, January is, you know, around the corner. If you could get somebody, who would it be? Tuchel said, you know, hey, 
yeah, Holland, Lukaku together. I kind of like that. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying, what would you like in January? Obviously, because I you can know, tell you, Vlahovic. I go get Dusan Vlahovic oh, from Fiorentina. What yeah, I go get player. him. What a player, James. Uh, what are you? James asks, what are you guys hearing the setbacks for Pulisic have been? Tuchel mentioned some pain issues. Any idea what that is? I mean, straight away, I'm just going to tell you right now, James, that Pulisic and injuries go together like peas and carrots. And, <laughs> it, like he's a great player, but he's he's a little he's a little delicate uh, physically. I, I'm just telling you, Jimmy. What, what what say you? With regard to Pulisic, he now has this injury tag. It's following him around. Sometimes I feel like injuries get into your head. You overthink them at the slightest. Like so much so, if you're if you feel like you're getting hurt a lot, you don't want to push it. Then even if you have the slightest pain, something you might have pushed before, before you had the reputation, before you started overthinking it, you're like, oh, whatever. It's just a kind of it's a niggle, as they say, right? It's a little, it's a strain. It's not that big of a deal, and you push through it, and you'd be fine. Mm. But then once you start to overthink it, and you're like, I'm feeling a little bit, you start to get a little bit nervous, get a little bit cautious because there's so much at stake. If you push it and then have to re-hurt yourself all over again, and he's done that before with his hamstring, I could see him being a little bit cautious. I could see them being cautious as well because even if they don't, even if he doesn't fit their plans, they need to get him healthy so they could sell him at a good price in January. Nobody wants damaged goods, right? So there's a lot to go and swirling around Christian Pulisic, and and obviously we just got to get him healthy and get back and getting some minutes. But he might be one of those players that just gets hurt hurt a lot, and I think it's part of his playing style. I think that, that's where I was going. I think with the birth, the best example of the problem with Pulisic is in the FA Cup, uh, you know, last, uh, well, in the final against Arsenal when Arsenal won. But before Pulisic came off, Chelsea were, you know, his aggressive style, he loves to just drive forward, is going to sometimes be sort of his detriment, right? I think that that's part of the issue. Uh, the fact that Pulisic sometimes gets injured just because of how relentless he is going forward, which is a good thing. You want him to be like that, but that comes at the cost of some injuries, right? 100%. And I was going to bring up the stat. When Chelsea played Porto last season in the Champions League, Pulisic mm -hmm. got fouled 11 times, which yeah. was the most a player had been fouled in one Champions League game since Messi 10 years before. Wow. And it just kind of speaks to what he does very well, as you mentioned, right? Because it, it's awesome to have a player like that who can break the lines with their running and then they get fouled. You're drawing yellows for the other team. You're, yeah. you're, you're slowing down any momentum for them and allowing your team to get a bit of a rest. There's so many benefits to having a player that can kind of hold the ball under pressure and, and, and change the momentum, if you, especially if you're under a lot of pressure. So he's got a tremendous value. That said, it does lead to some injuries and he's not a very big guy. He's super fast. You know, I feel like sometimes his... His, his muscles are too fast for, for his body. You know what I mean? Like his <laughs> hammies are, are a little bit too fast for everything else that's happening. So it's going to lend itself to that. And I do think that he plays a certain style, as you mentioned, that that does allow big, big thugs like I used to be at center back, uh, you know, looking for the two foot because we're not fast enough to keep up with him. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, uh, hopefully Pulisic is watching and, 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 and paying attention. When you get back to healthy, just watch out for those. One and two touch, baby. Just one and two touch. Play, play it smart. Watch out for those two dirty center backs, just like Jimmy Conrad was. All right, listen, uh, we're about to wrap up here, but I, I, I wanted to get everybody's uh, thoughts here. Jimmy Conrad, I want your thoughts on this. We're halfway through now. Everybody's played three games in the Champions League. Uh, if our producer desk can put it up, that's great. If not, don't worry about it. I, I, I'll throw this one out of left field. But, you know, PSG and Man City top the group A. Liverpool, Atletico Madrid top group B. Ajax and Dortmund top group C. Sheriff, Real Madrid top group D. Group E is Bayern Benfica. Group F is Manchester United, Atlanta. 
Group G, Salzburg, Sevilla, and Group H, Juventus, Chelsea. Uh, these are the groups as we're scrolling by. Jimmy, I had a question for you. Has anything changed your mind uh, halfway through now from the beginning to now? Is there anybody that you're thinking, ah, your stock is up. I see you doing well. Or somebody surprised you uh, on the other side of the table. What do you see? That's ah, a great question. I'm looking at the table right now, too. Obviously, Sheriff is way up on the stock list. I do think that Inter is going to catch them when they go to Moldova for match day four, and that will put Inter on seven points and Sheriff at six. And I think it's going to be a bit of a struggle. But Shakhtar, they could maybe get to the Europa League, which obviously would be a massive accomplishment for Sheriff. Yeah. Uh, Juve, Chelsea, no big surprises there. Everywhere else. I mean, Atletico is tied with Porto with four points in, in Group B. So there's still an opportunity. Pretty disappointed in AC Milan. Uh, maybe I'll just start there. Three straight losses. I just expected a little bit more given how much talent they have at their disposal. Yeah, RB Leipzig. RB Leipzig. For them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, they're well, you know, one of the most successful teams in the, in the competition's history. Yeah, RB Leipzig, three, three straight losses. Yeah. Uh, that, that one would hurt a little bit. In terms of surprises, I mean, Ajax, I thought were tremendous. Tremendous. Oof, so good. And three straight wins. 11 goals for, one against. So good against Borussia Dortmunds. Salzburg's been a pleasant surprise as well. That draw, the first match day away to Sevilla, I was like, all right, they should have won that game because they missed two penalties. They could have had three straight wins as well. So I'm liking Salzburg a lot here. Outside yeah, of that, the group, it's crazy. Outside of that, yeah, nothing crazy. I think I, my, my, my one crazy prediction was Barcelona to get third in the group and to get into the Europa League. Benfica needs to go to Barcelona and get a result, I think, for that to happen. So that's still in the cards, but there's there's some work to do. So so we'll see if I that ends up holding out. And I don't think Sheriff will last. I think that Inter will end up catching them for second. But we'll see. We'll see. It's wide open. Three match days, and some of these groups are wide open, and that's cool. <laughs> yeah. James says, does Sevilla make the knockout stages without winning a game? Uh, well, I don't know. It depends, really, but it's not impossible. Leo and Wolfsburg... You know, they haven't won anything either. They've lost uh, as well. What do you see? I mean, if it just stays like this, who knows, right? That's possible, especially if Salzburg, Salzburg, that's a, Salzburg ends up uh, running away with it. If they keep winning games and keeping Leo and Wolfsburg down, and then Sevilla can keep drawing. Sure, six points can get you into the knockout rounds. Yes, Why but let's not? see. Salzburg play. Let's say if Salzburg wins against Lille again. Let's say they win as well the remaining things. And then, you know, yeah, all Sevilla needs to do is just keep continuing gathering. Yeah, because nobody will gain any points on each other when they play against each other. Exactly. Yeah. So the answer yeah. is yes, it's it's possible. All right. What would be your final right now? Has that changed? I ha I'd say Bayern Munich. I have che I mean I had Chelsea winning it because I thought Lukaku would make a make a big difference. They're thankful that they have a pretty manageable group. I'll say Bayern Chelsea. That mm -hmm. hasn't changed for me. Man City, I guess you could throw in there and obviously the experience of getting to the final last season. Mm. But outside of that, I mean Ajax could make a decent run. I wouldn't want to face it right now. You can never sleep on Real Madrid, especially with the player whisper Carlo Ancelotti. Uh, Juve under Maxi Allegri, three straight wins, no goals against. I don't know, man. There's Liverpool. I don't want to go up against Liverpool either, you know? So that was my it's pretty shady. wide open. But yeah. Bayern Munich, for me, just given how they're playing, has to be in that conversation. And then Chelsea just being the reigning champions. And given that they still have a lot of quality, uh, yeah. that would be my final at the moment. Yeah, no, that's good. Bayern Munich, to me, has, is the club that's like, I, they're amazing. But you, now I'm with you. I see them doing. I had a PSG Man City final with PSG. Winning, I'm not so sure, but you know what? It's all about Bold. just getting to the Bold. knockout stages, right? You never know, but Man City also still obviously still look impressive, but plenty, plenty more Champions League action to watch, to discuss. I told you that our weekend preview, by the way, Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, James Bench will join. It's going to be crazy. 
El Clásico, Liverpool, Manchester United, a big game. Uh, I believe Le Classique as well is happening as well. So much, so much to discuss. Jimmy Connor, before we say goodbye, any final thoughts, my friend? No, I just want to give a shout out again to Pats and Daka. I know it's a Europa League game, but the fact that he scored four goals today for Leicester in Moscow against Spartak is pretty kick-ass, and I just think we should give him some love and adoration that he definitely deserves. Well played, big, big man. Absolutely. Pats and Daka, absolutely shining. And yes, Des Norris, I know. Derby d'Italia as Inter Milan face Juventus as well, which you can watch on Paramount Plus as well. Jimmy Conrad, thank you so much, brother. Always a pleasure, LME. Thanks for watching and listening, everybody. Thank you so much, everybody. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter, Kegolasso Pod. We're on CBS Sports in your CBS Sports app. If you're watching on YouTube, press that notification bell so you get all the episodes. Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and review. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, as well as all those other things I just said, wherever you listen to your pods. Thank you so much. We got plenty more Kegolasso. We never go away. Thank you being so, for being part of this family. We need you to keep growing and growing and growing. Jimmy Conrad, Luis Miguel Echegaray. We will see you next time. Have a good one. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.